At the end of the last chapter, we found out that Howard had used his wish to wish that he would be friends with Charlie, and Charlie was really surprised, but it made her feel good. Chapter 27. The next day after Bible school, Wishbone and I were sitting out front while Gus worked in the garden. Tiny wrens and sparrows hopped around the yard and fluttered up to the bird feeder on the fence post. After a while, Bertha came out with a couple of cats trailing along behind her. She smelled like lavender, and I couldn't help but notice how much she looked like Mama, with her hair curling around her face and her eyes crinkled up at the edges. I figured she was going to tell me a story about some lady in her knitting group or something, but she said, I found that note. My stomach squeezed up and I felt kind of scared for a minute. Um, that note in your lunchbox, she said. Well, what in the world could I say now? I felt like a big dumb baby for writing that note. I wanted Bertha to go away. I did not want to talk about that note. But Bertha did not go away. She sat petting the cat, purring in her lap, and gazing out at Gus, weeding in the garden. And then she said, You know, Charlie, me and Gus always wanted children. She rubbed Wishbone's belly with her bare foot. We have had many blessings in our life together, but having children has not been one of them. So, um... I watched her foot rubbing Wishbone and waited. Well, she said, I guess I'm just not too good at doing things that mothers do. My heart sank and I scrambled to think of something to say, but I couldn't. When I saw that note, I wanted to kick myself, she went on. How come I didn't think how much a little girl would love a note like that in her lunchbox? I wish like anything I had thought to do that, but I didn't. Just like I didn't think how silly that rainbow lunchbox was. And then there was her hand on my knee. It was dark and tan from hours in the sun. Fingernails rough and dirty from pulling weeds in the garden. So I hope you'll be patient with me while I learn, she said. I hung my head and nodded. I should have said something nice to her. I should have said... Oh, don't even worry about it. That rainbow lunchbox was no big deal. I should have said, I don't even care about that dumb note. But the truth was, all I could do was sit there, feeling her warm hand and breathing her lavender smell. Let's go help Gus, she said. So the three of us pulled weeds and picked beans and pinched dead flowers off the marigolds. Wishbone sat outside the gate and whined to get in, but he wasn't allowed because of his digging. When we were done, we climbed into Gus's car and picked up Howard before heading down the mountain to get ice cream. Wishbone stuck his head out the window, his ears flapping like crazy in the wind, while me and Howard sang Bible school songs. Every once in a while, we passed a clearing with a view of the mountains stretched out as far as you could see. A smoky blue haze floated over the treetops. It reminded me of my first day in Colby, when Gus had told me why these are called the Blue Ridge Mountains. Sometimes it felt like just yesterday that I'd sat on the school bus with all those kids I didn't know, riding through this town and thinking every laundromat and trailer park and shabby little house along the way was the sorriest thing I'd seen. But now here I was, singing Bible school songs with my friend Howard, and my arms wrapped around my very own dog. And when I looked out the now familiar sights of Colby, I realized they didn't seem to look quite so sorry anymore. Bertha chattered away in the front seat the whole way to town while Gus nodded silently. We got ice cream at the dairy freeze and sat at a picnic table trying to eat it quick before the summer heat made it run down our cones and drip onto our laps. Bertha scooped a little bit into a paper cup for Wishbone, and Howard let him have the last bite of his cone. On the way home, me and Howard taught Gus and Bertha some of our Bible school songs, and then the best thing happened. I saw a yellow railroad car. That was on my list of things to wish on, thanks to Fulton Banner, a crazy old man who lived next door to us in Raleigh. Yellow railroad cars aren't too plentiful, he told me. When you see one, make a wish. For a minute, I thought I might not even bother making my wish. Maybe I was just wasting my time. But then, something inside me told me not to give up and to keep on trying. I mean, you never know, right? So I looked back at that yellow railroad car as we passed it and made my wish. 
Chapter 28 And so the summer drifted by up there in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I was glad when Bible school was over, and all I had to do was play cards on Howard's porch, or take Wishbone down to the creek. Some days we rode our bikes to nowhere in particular, and once in a while we sold vegetables and bread and butter pickles out of a wagon at the end of our driveway. Mrs. Odom taught me how to crochet and helped me to make a scarf for Bertha. Gus took me fishing, and I even won a few Bible books in Sunday school. Jackie called every now and then. She had a new boyfriend named Jake who drove a motorcycle. Carol Lee's parents didn't like him. But who cares, she said. Not me. She didn't get the bank teller job she wanted, but she met some guy who needed a file clerk at his insurance agency. And then she could finally quit that Waffle House job. I got a few more letters from Scrappy. He didn't say much, except, Sure has been hot here lately. Or, I'm getting fat eating jailhouse food. Ha <laughs> ha. I still made my wish every day, because I decided I was not ready to give up yet. I wished on a butterfly that landed on me, on a camel-shaped cloud, on a cricket in the house, and a lightning bug glowing on my ring finger. I found another four-leaf clover and a penny in a parking lot. And one time we drove across the state line into Tennessee, which is good for wishing if you clap three times first. And then one day, a lady from social services showed up at Gus and Bertha's. She snooped around the house, her eyes flitting here and there, examining every little thing. She made a face at the cat hair on the couch and raised her eyebrows at those canning jars in my room. Bertha followed along behind her, chattering a mile a minute about what a big help I am around the house and how much I'd loved the vacation Bible school. Of course, she left out the parts about T.J. Rainey in that dumb lunchbox note. And check out her dog, she said, nodding toward Wishbone, snoring by the back door. You wouldn't believe how she takes care of that dog. Feeds him, walks him, lets him sleep right in her pillow every night. The lady made another face and then asked if there was somewhere we could talk. Why don't we go out on the back porch, Bertha said. So we sat out on that porch with the afternoon sun high above the mountains while that lady sat in Gus's chair and told us that the situation back in Raleigh had improved. I watched Bertha's face turn white and felt my stomach do a flip. Improved? That lady went on to tell us how Mama was doing better and trying harder and deserved a chance. She explained about how it was always best for children to live with their real parent. Whenever possible, she added quickly. Then she blabbered on and on, but all I heard were words like Charlie's well-being and supervision and stable environment. Bertha kept pushing at her hair with a shaky hand and nodding, and then that lady said she would send someone to pick me up in a few weeks. And that was that. Believe me when I tell you, my head was spinning. Why was I feeling so scared? I sat there on that porch with confusion swirling around me like a swarm of angry bees. Shouldn't I be feeling happy? Hadn't I wanted to go back to Raleigh? Didn't I hate these hillbilly kids here in Colby? Didn't I want to get the heck out of a place where my only friend was an up-down boy and I slept on Cinderella pillowcases in a shabby old house hanging off the side of a mountain? And then I had a thought that made me jump up and run to the front door, where Bertha was watching that lady's car disappear up the driveway. What about Wishbone, I hollered. Tell that lady I'm not leaving Wishbone. Bertha swiped at her cheeks and pulled me to her and said the perfect Bertha thing. I will make things right for you, Charlie, she said. I promise.